I'm Rico. And I'm Jessica. And this is the Always the Critic podcast where a couple of friends review the latest movies, except we literally have zero qualifications to do so. Jessica, how are you doing today? I'm doing very well. I made a big purchase today. I got a Dyson cordless vacuum today. (laughs) So I feel like a little bit uh, of an adult today. (laughs) Look at you. Look at that. Look at that. Awesome. (laughs) Look. (laughs) So I didn't do as much. I I served this morning. So, you know, when I got home, I did what any person would do is take a nap. And then, (laughs) you know, I was watching baseball with my brother. So not a bad day. Not a bad day. Pretty chill. Yeah, pretty chill. Uh, Now, today we are going to discuss the newest movie of the week. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Pretty excited about We've that. We've been prepping for this movie for what seems like a very long time, but actually it was a bit of a sprint versus a marathon for us to get through all the Bond movies. We are almost done with our Bond series, They Call Me Bond. Uh, Daniel Craig's episode will be right after this one. We figured we'd give you guys the full rundown of the newest film before yes. that. So before we actually get to that rundown, if this is your first time listening, go ahead and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and many more. And if you really like us, go ahead and give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Five stars goes a long way for us. Come and check us out on social media to stay up to date on our latest episodes and reviews. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Oh, and TikTok at Always Critic Pod. Lastly, if you're a fan, please, please consider becoming a patron. It's a great way for you to get involved and show your support. You can check out the page on patreon.com slash always critic pod. Today, we are talking about the 25th movie in the official canon of the James Bond franchise, No Time to Die. Yes. Uh, this is a movie that has been delayed numerous times because this movie was originally supposed to come out in 2020 in April of 2020. And that got delayed because of the pandemic. Then it was pushed to October of 2020. That got delayed. It was supposed to come out in April of this year. Got delayed again. And finally, October of 2021 is finally when they released No Time to Die. Jessica, why don't you go ahead and tell us what this movie's about? James Bond has left active service. His peace is short-lived when Fox later, an old friend from the CIA, turns up asking for help leading Bond onto the trail of a mysterious villain armed with dangerous new technology. Now, this movie is directed by Kerry Joji Fukunaga. Now, he is the director of Beast of No Nation in 2015. He is known for True Detective, which is his big uh, project that he's really known for. He directed uh, an adaptation of Jane Eyre in 2011. Which I really like. <laughs> there you go. Uh, he was also the one who wrote the screenplay for 2017's It. Which is the better of the part one, part two. <laughs> that is very true. And one more thing. Uh, he is the first American-born director to direct a B- Bond movie. Fun little fact. Oh. So. Finally, they gave us a shot. They finally gave us On a shot. On the last movie. On the last movie. one. <laughs> On the last one for Daniel Craig. Uh, this movie was written by Neil Purvis, Robert Wade, Carrie Joji Fuganaga, and a writing credit with Phoebe Waller-Bridge. She came to help out rewrite parts of the script uh, after the fact. Now, who is in this movie, Jessica? 
We have Daniel Craig as James Bond. We have Ana de Armas as Paloma. Rami Malek as our villain. Lea Sado as Madeline, reprising her role from Spectre. Lashana Lynch as Nomi. Ralph Fiennes back as M. Ben Wishaw back as Q. Naomi Harris back as Penny, Money Penny. And then we have Rory Kinnear back as Tanner. Jeffrey Wright again back as Felix later. And we have Billy Magnuson and Christoph Waltz. Bringing up the rear, Christoph Waltz, of course, is playing Blofeld. He's reprising his role from Spectre. Yes. Now, the music, we should know, is by the wonderful Hans Zimmer. Yes. Of course, it is based on a theme, based which is written by John Barry. But, of course, Hans Zimmer is putting his own spin on the classic James Bond score. Yes, so he does a really good job of mixing not only the original score, but also the Bond song. He plays no around time with it. to die, yes. Exactly, throughout the movie. <laughs> which is, I feel like, very different from other Bond movies, which isn't necessarily the case. That is true. We'll talk about the Bond song in a second, but before we yes. do, box office. The movie here in the United States made $56 million domestically. Uh, which just a little bit shy of what they were hoping for, apparently, projection-wise. Uh, worldwide, it made 257.2. So in total, $313 million worldwide. Wow. Not not anything to sneeze at, I'll, I'll tell not you that. Not at all. Especially yeah. in pandemic times. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes, the critics, 84% positive on this movie. Audiences are 88% positive on this movie, so pretty close together. And when it comes to the critics, their consensus reads as it isn't the sleekest or most daring 007 adventure, but No Time to Die concludes Daniel Craig's franchise in satisfying style. Jessica, what did audiences have as a consensus? Very similar. It says it's very long and packed with plot, but No Time to Die says goodbye to Daniel Craig's Bond with all the action and excitement franchise fans expect. All right, so let's go ahead and talk about the movie. So before we talk about the actual movie movie, okay. uh, we've been doing this on our Bond series. We've been talking about the song first Yes. Uh, for each one. So this song is no, is no Time to Die. It is performed by Billie Eilish. Yes. So I wanted and to- And written by her and her brother Phineas. Yes, that is yes. correct. And he so, produced it too. <laughs> how do you feel about this song? I have been sitting with it for basically a year. All of us have. Yeah, we Because they released the song and then pandemic was pushing the date out indefinitely. So I really thought it was haunting. Mm. It's a haunting song to me. It um, it thankfully has some orchestral elements. That's my favorite part of these Bond songs is when they sound really classic and large and full with the orchestra. Um, this one does have that, not as much as other Bond songs, of course, but it does have a hint of that, which is, I appreciate. Yes. I think, I think it's too slow. Like in the context of the movie and seeing the opening credits, I know the song backwards and forwards and I was still kind of like, oh, this is kind of draggy with the opening credits. I so agree. that's my main complaint is that it's a little touched too slow. I agree. I, you know what I I found myself thinking about this song is that I was kind of waiting for just a slight build up towards the yes. end of the song. It does and have a build. It does, but it doesn't feel like it picks up momentum for that. Uh huh. Like uh-huh. it just 
it builds to a louder orchestral sound yeah, it towards the end. Yeah. It crescendos, but it doesn't feel like it's like propelling towards the end of a song. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think uh, Eilish's performance is good. Like it's it's a good performance. It's in her wheelhouse. She yeah. wrote it for herself to sing. Yeah. It's very much if you like Billie Eilish music, then you're going to like No Time to Die. Yeah, for sure. And I don't have any complaints for the song except, like you said, it's it, it is on the slower side. Mm-hmm. I, I did wish that it would, you know, just yes. a tad bit, you know, little upbeat somewhat, at least yeah. in some portion of the song. And it felt a little empty. Before the orchestral part, right? Yes, it definitely feels very empty. Yeah. And you feel that emptiness when you're sitting in a theater and watching the opening credits and you're like, oh, this is a little bit slow and there's not much going on with the song. Right. Because all you have to, you know, go off of at that point is the visual that you see that opens just about any Bond song. Mm -hmm. So this one has a very elaborate, you know, opening to it and but you do feel that ooh is this song landing with <laughs> yes. the audience yeah i think that's what i asked myself like is this song landing with the rest of this audience right now mm-hmm. or yeah. are we just waiting for the movie to just start that's exactly the feeling so so i don't know if this works for everyone this particular bond song yes it might not be something for everyone but i still think it's a pretty good one it's pretty good. Yeah, all things considered. Yes. And you can go back and listen to our thoughts on the other Bond songs in our They Call Me Bond series because we kind of rip into them when uh, when necessary. <laughs> but Yeah, when they're not good, we do rip into them. And uh, just stay tuned for the Craig episode because there's still a few more Bond songs that we haven't talked about yet for sure. that we will get to talk about in that episode. All right, let's talk about the movie. So let's try to not spoil anything because there are some major spoilers in this movie. So uh, some big plot details and some (laughs) some stuff. So if you haven't seen the movie, we will tread lightly for now. But obviously, you'll know when we get into spoilers, we have our spoiler bumper. So uh, in this movie, we we meet James Bond. The beginning of the movie is him and Madeline. Uh, it kind of takes place right after Spectre. They yes, have 2016, presumably. Pretty much. And they have gone away. Uh, it looks like Bond has decided to stop being a double O and live his life with Madeline. Uh, now, things do not get off great with Madeline. Sure, they go to a nice place, but then he is attempted to be assassinated. Uh, James Bond is. Uh, yes, there is an assassination attempt on James Bond. Which is regular Tuesday for him, but of course, but in the again, context of him being, you know, off the grid, not in, openly antagonizing anybody at this point, you know, it's a bit of a surprise for Bond. <laughs> yes, and so he accuses Madeline of being in on that because okay, and then else we're gonna is, we're not gonna say we're not gonna else. say anything else. Yes, uh, so we have that towards the beginning. Then the movie decides to. Basically, time jump. There's a time jump. There is a time jump. Uh, We see that the 00 program has enlisted new people. Uh, That takes place in the character played by Lashana Lynch, Nomi. She is the new 007. That is not a secret. That has 
been open out there for people to hear about either in trailers or whatever. Uh, so Bond is still gone from the program. He is no longer working for Her Majesty's service at all. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Love how I snuck that in there. Uh, but he is lured in because of Felix Later, uh, played by Jeffrey Wright. And he's on a mission because apparently Spectre is up to something. There's something going on in Cuba. Yes. So he decides to take up on the offer. He meets up with Paloma, played by Ana de Armas, who is kind of like a rookie, only three weeks on the job. <laughs> uh, it's a fun action sequence, I will say. Uh, we'll get more into everything with that. And at the same time, Nomi is in Cuba because they're both kind of after... Going after the same target. The same MacGuffin. Okay, so let's... I feel like we're getting really close to spoilers. We so are, but I don't want to say too much. How did you feel overall about the movie? Like when you left, what was your, what was your feeling? Overall. So I will say that, number one, I feel like the movie's just a tad hair too long. I think there's some there's some things that could have easily been cut down. Like some sequences are a little too long. So it adds to the runtime. The runtime of this movie is two hours and 40 minutes. So it's not a short movie at all. It's heavy. It's heavy. It's a heavy, like you feel that two hours and 45 yeah, minutes. Yeah, but it's not that it ends on a non-satisfying note. I think No, that, I would say that it is rather satisfying. Yeah, I think. I think it is probably the best send off you could do to someone that you know doesn't want to play the part anymore or has stated that he is done. Even that's after a whole other that's a whole other can of worms of yeah. like reading Daniel Craig's receipts <laughs> of how he dislikes playing Bond and how he never wanted to play Bond. This is his never say never again, basically. Pretty much it is, because he did say after Spectre that we're done yeah he was done like he was gonna play he was not going to play bond again Mm -hmm. but here we are for one more time (laughs) uh at the end though i did feel that it was a satisfying ending yeah i think that there's a lot of fun action sequences i don't think the MacGuffin makes that much sense uh like you try to understand it and you piece it together and it's like okay i I get it you know, that's the thing is that you have competing villains essentially in this movie. Yes. And one villain, I'm not going to say what who the villain is because I'm sure that might be a spoiler to some people. But one villain is a large villain that looms over the entire James Bond franchise to some effect. And so it felt a little disrespectful to me to have that be the MacGuffin. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. Um, and also the way certain, certain decisions are a little curious, uh, oh, yeah, <laughs> through this movie. And then there's like this huge plot twist that happens just before the third act that is just like, huh. So they, they went here. With they went this. here with it. Yeah. They went here with it. So I think overall, I enjoyed the movie. That, that those decisions cheapened it a little bit to me. A little bit. But overall, I felt like the movie was very good. It was light on the gadgetry. But again, it feels like the Daniel Craig movies were always pretty light on gadgetry. Yeah. Um, if if you remember the beginning of 
this fr- of his run. It started in 2006. It kind mm-hmm. of started in that time of where gritty reboots were happening yes. of all these different <laughs> franchises. So he just fell into that mold. So everything fell a little more stripped grounded, back. Mm-hmm. stripped backed. So a little more gritty, whatever you want to call whatever it. Whatever you want to call it. It is in that vein. I'm not faulting it for that. I'm just saying no. this movie doesn't do anything different from prior Daniel Craig movies in that respect. Um, I think that Lashana Lynch is an interesting addition. Okay. I am jury still out on if I liked her because I feel like she didn't get a chance to shine necessarily. No, she didn't. There was one point in the movie, and this is spoiler territory, so I'm not going to say what point, what she's doing, that I felt like she could have flexed a little bit. They could have given her a chance to be the action hero that James Bond is. Yes. But she doesn't get that chance. Um, Let me see. How did you feel about um, Rami Malek? So there's not enough of him in this movie. To warrant him being like the principal villain. You know what I'm saying? I feel like one one thing about this movie is that I don't feel that Bond and his character, uh, Lucifer Safin, which Lucifer Just say Satan, Lucifer. Yeah. Lucifer. Lucifer <laughs> Just Satan, call him Lucifer. <laughs> uh, I don't think those two interact enough in this movie. I feel like there should have been more interactions because – in the Bond movies prior, for most people who have seen them, Bond and the villain do interact throughout the movies, mm-hmm. you know, you know, throughout like the second act and then into the third act, mm-hmm. you know, they'll meet each other and things will happen. And yeah, then... there's a chance for them to develop some kind of beef. Right. But this movie doesn't really give you that. It no. doesn't. Uh, it has, I think it has an interesting opening. Uh, mm-hmm. That it does involve the villain, but then you're just kind of like, well, when are we going to see Rami Malek again? Yes. It, like it feels like it's too long into the movie before we see him again. Yeah. That's that's the biggest problem for me. I have major qualms with what his what his ultimate goal was, like the villain's ultimate goal. Mm, yeah. I mean, you can and say it, that about a lot of things. At the bonds. end of the day, it felt like they were trying to do a Nolan Joker on it. Oh, yes. But I don't think that they did it as well as Nolan's Joker. So um, I'll leave it at that. What else would you like to say about this movie? I think that Ana de Armas as Paloma. Holy shit. Amazing. Yes. She stole was great. It. Stole the show. Yeah. Like, I wish we had more of her in Me this movie. Too. <laughs> I was like so sister. mad. Like, I thought she was going to come back. Hopefully. I know. But she, I was like, I hope she comes back again. She never does. Ugh. Like, if you've seen the trailers, you'll see the moment where she's wearing the dress. Yeah. Basically, that is what you're getting. There's nothing else with her except for that th- those scenes. That sequence. Yeah. That sequence, which kind of sucks. But she was she was great though. Phenomenal. She, she was great. Yeah. Uh, so I really enjoyed her. And then everybody else is, uh, you know. Pretty good. Uh, I will say, yeah, the MacGuffin is, is the one is the one thing that is an issue for me. But 
Is there anything else before we get into spoilers? Because I think we can... Let's just get into spoilers because yeah, I feel like we keep dancing around it. We're dancing around it. So let's go ahead and let's talk about spoilers for No Time to Die right after this. The greatest trick. Houston, we have a problem. I am the father. I see dead people. The devil ever pulled. Pay no attention to that man behind the curtain. Was convincing the world. You can't handle the truth. He didn't exist. Oh, what's in the box? All right, let's talk about spoilers for No Time to Die. Let's do it. Where do you want to start? I think we need to start with the biggest things that this movie is trying to do. It is trying to send off Daniel Craig in a satisfying way. Mm -hmm. But it has to provide stakes as to why it would be so heartbreaking to lose Daniel Craig's bond. So this movie, and this is a thought that I had. Okay. While watching the movie. Okay, sure. Go for we it. We see the opening sequence. He yes. is attempted, an attempted assassination plot. He believes that Madeline Swan is in on this because Spectre appears on her phone and, you know, good job for letting leading us to him. She gets a call from Blofeld. Blofeld. <laughs> yeah. So he puts her on a train, doesn't like kill her or retaliate, but he puts her on a train never to see her again. Mm-hmm. Pretty much. You'll never see me again. And then the movie jumps five years. And in my head, I was like, why are you doing a five-year jump? Why is it significant? That was the first thing I thought of. Really? So you were trying to read the tea leaves on five years? Yes, I was trying to read the... Why is it significant for it to be a five-year jump? Why why would that make such a difference? Uh Instead of just like, you know, like a couple months later or whatever. Right, right. You know? So I... And then it finally clicked, obviously, when you see what happens. And the reason why is because Madeline Swan's character has a child. Yeah, they pulled a Superman Returns slash, you know. Yeah, they did. 20 other movies that have done this same thing. A secret love child. Um, James Bond is a dad. James Bond is a dad. Yeah. He is a dad. I think that it was too telegraphed. I knew it from the start. Um, when she's on the train, she ever so slightly touches her stomach ah, as the train is that. leaving. I missed And I touch. was like, she's pregnant. Literally, it was an immediate thought. It came to mind. And I was fully expecting there to be a child at some point in the movie. Yeah. So you saw it first. Yes. But I was already thinking about what the repercussions of five You were like, years what's were. about what about five years? And I'm like, there's a child. <laughs> like, yep, I already... You had it. We, we so yeah, I missed wavelength. the touch. I missed oh, that. Oh wow. Yeah. So that that's on me for not catching that there. So did you like having this be added to his, you know, basically his story, Daniel Craig's James Bond story? Yes and no. I don't think that it's necessarily have to that it necessarily has to be like a Skywalker saga sort of deal where he needs to procreate for him to be fulfilled enough. For him to die. Mm, yeah. Um, and then I also kind of like the irony of James Bond, a semi-menace to all women, having a baby girl. Of all, right. Yeah. Having a daughter. Having a daughter. That's <laughs> that's one way of doing it. So I liked, you know, a little bit of the pros and cons. I was like, mm. uh, I think that I have more issues with, the 
second like Chekhov's <laughs> Chekhov's poison or whatever that they oh, had. Oh, okay. Let's because, talk about that. You know, Rami Malik has this power of you know this. How would you call it? This. So there is this nanobot stra- yeah, technology. nanobot technology that is developed by M. Yes. Secretly off the books, but of course it gets into the wrong hands. Mm -hmm. And so a Russian scientist is working alongside Lucifer to get that to him. Yes. So that he can use it. And so the first time we see him use it is in Cuba, where he's able to kill all of the Spectre agents. Yes. So Spectre is killed off. DNA. It targets DNA. Targets DNA. So he makes a concoction for based on Leia Sado's Madeline's DNA. So yes. anyone who um, is related to Madeline, in other words, the daughter, will be killed instantly with this poison that he has. He calls it his insurance. So immediately I'm like, okay, Bond's never going to see he's going to die or he's never going to be able to see his family again. Right. There was no yeah, surprise. Yeah, once that was introduced. Once that Chekhov's poison was introduced, there it was, was only no- a matter of time how it was going to be deployed. Exactly. Exactly. So we we see it deployed on Bond because- uh, They have Seth- a scuffle at the yep. very end of the movie. Um, and Rami Malek's character like smashes the vial on- bond's head and i'm like there it is yep it like you just cut him across back. the face yeah yeah you just kind of sit back in your seat like okay like well that's here it. it is this is it <laughs> so in that respect i just didn't appreciate that it was so simple maybe i'm kind of a little sharper now that i've seen like 20 something bond movies yeah. <laughs> but to me it didn't seem like that surprising i think that the movie wanted you to be like on the edge of your seat like is he gonna make it out of that facility because the facility that he needs to destroy which has all this nanobot technology he needs to destroy it before it gets out there because Mm -hmm. if it does get out there seven has the power to be able to unleash it across the world and then it spreads uh this movie really is touching on like a virus that can spread what a time to unleash a movie like yeah that, right? i was like okay so cool. <laughs> it's bio weapon yeah it's, it's a bio, bio weapon. weapon and uh yeah that touches too close to home maybe i'm a little bit weary of those kind of storylines now that we are living in covid19 era but you know i think that the the whole re- why did he want to kill off all the world Right, it didn't make any sense why he That didn't make any it. sense at all. He didn't list a reason. Nope. He kind of danced around it when he was questioned by James Bond. And it just like what he basically was like why not? I have I this power like why not? Pretty much. That's that's pretty much it. Like why And that's not? what I mean by it felt a little bit Nolan jokery because some men want to just want to watch the world burn. Right. Was the thesis of that character. And yes, it was because that character, basically his his origin was that his family was killed. Family was killed by the head of Spectre. 
Right. And at um, the time, the head of Spectre was Madeline Swan's father. Correct. So he came back exacting revenge at the beginning of the movie. So he kills the mother, uh, the father. I don't know what happened to the father. I don't know if he died or not. No, no, no. He he wasn't there. He lived he wasn't on. There. He died in Spectre. Yep. And so he spares Madeline, Madeline's life. He spares Madeline's life, which I'm not sure why, unless he fell in love with her. Think about it's, that, though. I know, but that's the only reason I can that's give. The he said, "There's reason. something about your eyes, and they haunt me even now. Like I just remember them. I remember your eyes." And he has this really weird conversation with her when yeah, they meet again, and she's an adult. Um, and then him like holding the daughter hostage, and his like demeanor toward her was kind of like, "If you know, I can't have you, then James Bond can't have you either." Pretty much. Yeah, exactly. So it just seemed like Rami Malek's character had this twisted, you know, feeling toward... Felt possessive. Possessive over Madeline. Yes. And he tries to at least talk to Bond saying that they're the same person. Like, they just happen to be... If you want to use like the Batman Joker parlance, yeah. they are two sides of the same coin is the way he tries to phrase it. I don't like that comparison when we've already have had it in Skyfall. Yes, exactly. Why have another villain that he was not this, compares the same way? Yeah. And the, the Skyfall same. one was way better. Oh, God, yes. We'll talk about it in our, in our you know, Bond series Daniel Craig wrap-up episode. However... In this case, I felt like that was a stretch yes. for Rami Malek to be like, we're the same. Like, no, baby, no, we're not. No, they're not. <laughs> not <man>. even close. <laughs> he he doesn't have a physical presence that intimidates at all. Like, he's it's supposed to be like a mastermind type of thing, but I never got that sense either. Like, right, because he wasn't the one developing this no. micro uh, nanotechnology bioweapon. He was funding it but again how was he funded where's the money coming from there's a lot of money he had a ton there. of people on that island that his family once owned did he just have like family money to like keep this thing going like why was no one on to him there was no clear answer to that actually. no clear answer to how he's funding this whole thing not at all he has resources. How? Why? Um, I think that the mask that he's shown wearing in the trailer felt like that should have been given more play. Like, what was up with the freaking mask? What was up with the mask? I would have loved to know more about that mask as well. It seemed kind of so interesting, you know? And then yeah. they don't do anything with it. What he does is scares Madeline shitless when she unboxes it in her office. <laughs> as I mean, an adult that's not really enough for us it's not really it makes her like case. quiver but again I, I guess i guess they don't feel the need to explain it like why was no. he wearing a mask and now he doesn't feel the need to wear a mask like what i don't i don't know either but okay so i think <laughs> you can you and i can agree most likely this villain does not fulfill what we want in a villain no, for the most but part. I think that Rami Malek is making choices because oh, yeah. the way that he is delivering lines is very unexpected to me. 
Oh, yeah, no. Uh, what I would say is that he is definitely using what I think a lot of people believe about Rami Malek is that he's slightly eccentric. So he's using that in his performance, for sure. Mm-hmm. He's an eccentric type of person who has a way of delivering his lines mm-hmm. um, very slow and what would appear to be methodically, but it's really just like, I'm going to take my time saying this word. Really. It's very different of him, I feel, because most villains, I feel, are trying to get out their words fast. Yeah. But him, he's taking his sweet time. He is taking all the time in the world. Um, oh, gosh. What else do you want to say about this villain? Uh, okay, so um, I, I would say that I am I was not as satisfied as I've been with other James Bond villains. I don't think that I would remember this villain if you, you know, a couple years down the road. Yeah. It won't be someone memorable to me. Uh, and I think that's all I have to say on the villain himself. I did like the production design of the island, the island and the farm poison farm that they had. Mm. The poison garden reminded me of like the real poison garden that's in the UK that you can visit. Oh yeah. There's a, it's real. Like some of the stuff they're like, Oh, some of these plants can kill you and all this stuff. And it's like, yeah, absolutely. Like, Will it make you forget? Like, I don't think so. Like, that's movie jargon. But yeah, the fact that there is a poison garden that you can visit, that's true. Like, you can. Um, Yeah, I liked it. It was very sleek. I thought that everything in this movie was sleek. I thought the cinematography was beautiful. There were some scenes where I was like, <laughs> I mean, they're trying so hard and it's working. Like. It looks fantastic. I I appreciate that there's a lot of scenes that are not filmed on a soundstage. Like they are actually filmed in real locations. Yeah. That entire, like some of my favorite scenes, I think we can go ahead and talk about what our favorite scenes are. But like that opening sequence in, I can't remember the name of the town. Look like Norway. Oh, wait. Are you talking about- Oh, you're not talking about Madeline sequence. Sorry, not the Madeline oh, sequence. That's okay. the very opening that I yes. should have uh, kind of specified. Because this movie has two scenes before the opening credits. Yes, it does. Which is surprising <laughs> to me, but here we are. We have like an origin story for, for Madeline and for um, Stefan. And then we have the sequence that follows Spectre. You know, leading into the big opening sequence that we get. And I think it's shot beautifully, like during the daytime. It's like supposedly like morning time, but like the sun is like right at the right place. Yeah, it's golden hour. Basically. Yeah, it is. It is wonderfully shot. And I think the action is a lot of fun in that scene as well. I think that that opening sequence with Madeline and Bond. Yes. Reminded me a lot of the montage sequence with, with Vesper in Casino Royale. Yes. Had that same vibe. They even uh, have the Vesper theme play when he goes to visit her grave. Yep. Um, those are positives to me. I think that that action sequence with him um, being chased on the bikes and stuff is really good. Yeah. And... The villain with the eye 
<laughs> is something. I mean, something. I don't think it's. I don't think it's good, but I don't think it's bad. Yeah, you it's know, just it's middling, one of those you know? thing of the of like the henchman having some type of quirk. Yes, like Jaws or yeah, or yeah. Um, what's his name, Odd Job, or mm-hmm. like there's some weird quirk to the character. So I, I really enjoyed that sequence. And how did you like the Aston Martin being featured heavily in that sequence? I I think I liked it. Only because we don't get enough of the Aston Martin most of the time. We don't. We don't get enough Aston Martin. And I would say that the only thing that gave me pause was Madeline is like begging him to do something. Yeah. At one point, like they're just being shot at. And Bond is really hitting pause on the offense. Yeah, I, I think that didn't make sense to me. She's like, please, <laughs> James, James. And I'm like, again, why is he not? My guess fighting is back? because he he feels probably so betrayed in that moment. And it it gave him a moment to like think about it for a second. Like, why? Why am I trying to escape? But you're right, though. It is a weird choice to just like pause the attack that you were on or pause the momentum of trying to flee yes trying to get out of harm's way i understand that um the gadgets are on the car somewhat cool uh i do like the machine gun coming out of the headlights yeah uh, the smoke whatever smoke screen smoke he uh, had the little uh mines pop out at one yeah. point yeah yeah and i did. was like oh that's classic um very nice it's good i like the aston martin more than i like other gadgets maybe yes that's true <laughs> but i think the best action sequence though in this movie is the cuba sequence cuba 100 percent. 100 we get to meet paloma uh paloma uh, as you and i would say yeah uh by ana de almas and she like just injects like an energy yes. into the movie at yes. that moment because she's just like buzzing you know she is like, and you you're like, yes, she's like, excited. Bond is like tired when standing next to Ana de Armas, who's like, let's go. Like, huh? oh, my gosh, like I need a drink and is just very buzzing. I think is the word that I have in my head. Just she's energetic. And Daniel Craig's a little bit like, oh, OK, like I've done this. I've yeah. seen it all before type of thing. And I do like that the the sequence does highlight a moment for her, like showing basically kicking ass. Yes. And being able to hold her own completely. And not just hold her own, like really like take out like a, a few henchmen. Yeah. And then, you know, also thinking quickly like, hey, let me steal this car. And mm. oh, there's the scientist up there on that rickety, uh, you know, scaffolding. Let me just crash <laughs> into it and he'll fall onto the yeah. car. Yeah. So, uh, and then like, I really, she has a line, coño. <laughs> yeah. She's like, coño. I, I do like that. And I did like that the, the end of her sequence, like she, it's, I wouldn't say it's flirtatious, but it, it is a nice way. I was like, you know, next time stay a little longer Yeah. to bond, you know? Yeah. And at that moment I was like, you cannot tell me this is going to be the last That's time it. we see her. That's the end of her. And I her. was like, get out of here, bro. I was <laughs> and like, she was pretty lethal. Again. She was pretty lethal already in that gown. Um, yeah, she was. She's just, oh my gosh, diabolical. 
you have said this before about certain dresses that have slits that go up. Slits. And it's just Or like, it's like the back on hers like went really deep. It's just, I love that. I think it's like high fashion in the middle of this action movie. It is. And I can't say enough about her character. I, I, I loved it. She so, was so just, she left off the screen. This is going to be a question regarding her and regarding uh, Latasha's character of Nomi. Okay. So well, Lashana's. Oh, sorry, Lashana. I'm sorry. Lashana Lynch is who I meant to say. Uh, so these two characters are introduced for the first time in this movie. Mm-hmm. They are playing pivotal roles in the amount of screen time that they have. My question is, with this movie being the final Craig movie, right? Do you think we're going to see these characters again? Do you think that... Oh, gosh. Okay. This might be a good time to talk about the finale. So, Bond dies. Yes. He cannot get off the island in time because Rami Malek undoes what he'd just done. He, like, opened a... um, a blast door. Yeah, so that And way, was on his way out. The farms and could be Rami Malik closes it again. So he's like, okay, my window's out. And he fights him, gets cut with poison, and there's no way for him to make it off the island in time before it's bombed. So Bond dies. Um, it seems there was time to die. <laughs> this, in this particular case, yes. So it is a pretty final ending for Daniel Craig's James Bond and at the end of the movie like at the end of the credits there is a stinger that says James Bond will return right so you're saying is the next James Bond because they're certainly going to recast James Bond of course is it going to be a full house cleaning? We're not going to have Anna the Admas. We're not going to have Leia Sado. No Lashana Lynch. No Ralph Fiennes as M. No Ben Wishaw as Q and so on and so forth. You're I guess saying, that is, is it a complete reset? That is my question. And the reason why I ask this is because, number one, the fact that we're going to get a new Bond. It's not going to be Daniel Craig. It's going to be someone different, obviously. So are they going to use the continuity that they've built with the Daniel Craig portion of Bond? Or are they just going to go back to the way Bond was before, where each movie was kind of its own thing? Maybe you have characters return, like, for example, Judy Dench's M. She was a constant through Pierce Brosnan and a little bit of Craig's, uh, you know, but at the same time, none of those movies really influenced one another. Like, characters came back, but it's not like, Oh, this continuity of like they've been working together and blah blah, blah. you know, you know what I'm saying. So I wonder if they're just gonna clean house. Because another thing I want to add to this is that Amazon acquired MGM uh, for four point four five billion dollars back in July. MGM right. owns Bond, right? So here's a couple of things that could happen with that. I'm thinking. I'm thinking that, A, Amazon's not going to sit around waiting too long for a new Bond, right? So my guess would be they cast a new Bond, they clean house. That's one option. Another option, Amazon could create a television show. They could do a spinoff, give 
Latasha Lynch, uh, Lashana Lynch. Okay. Her own show. I and make that the adventures of her double O. Um, <laughs> yeah, there could be a, a adventures of 007 featuring Lashana Lynch as 007. Right. Sure. Amazon could do any number of things with this property. It's obviously going to make money. Right. I don't know if they want to muddy the waters in the film sense. Yeah. That's my thinking, too. Especially with the Broccoli family still holding so much control over James Bond. It is a big deal for that family. It is a big deal for that family. That's all they do. That's their business. Yeah, that's their business. It, it, It is... We make Bond movies, yeah. and we get a say in who is going to be Bond mm-hmm. and everything like that. Yeah, they're hands-on producers. They are hands-on producers. Okay, so I am going to – I think this is a conversation that isn't really going to go anywhere only because we don't know what the future is going to hold here. All we mm-hmm. know is where we're at now, Daniel Craig – has finished his Bond run. And this is the first time Bond's been killed. Well, <laughs> he's been... Okay, so at the beginning of Skyfall, he was, air quotes, killed. Right. And in um, You Only Live Twice, he was, air quotes, killed. Right. This is the first time that he's been, you know, blown to smithereens. Right. <laughs> and there is no clear path to survival no there isn't and not that he would want to come back because why would he when he is a danger to his family right exactly so they've kind of killed him for sure but i don't know what james bond will return means my guess is (laughs) i don't think the studio wants you to think that this is the final james bond movie like that they're not going to be making James Bond anymore. Mm-hmm. I, I think they want you to think, hey, the character will be back. You know, James mm-hmm. Bond himself will be back. But they obviously they didn't go into details and as like, you know, how. But <laughs> my guess is that they just want to reassure you that this will not be the final Bond film you Character's get to see. Character's not dead. Right. We will find a way to bring that character back in some way. My guess would be they they start a new story fresh. Mm. That's my guess. With fresh faces. Maybe. Fresh faces all the way around. That's my guess. So we'll see if that happens. But <sighs> but overall, uh, did you like the fact that they killed him off? Yes and no. I don't like the reason. Like yeah. in the in the story, yes, that's part of my no, yes. But I do think that it does give us that finality with Craig. So one thing that I really appreciated was Hans Zimmer almost making me cry mm, when yeah. Bond is about to die. Yes, and it almost made me think of um, I don't know which Jurassic World movie is this is, but the dinosaurs dying on the island. Oh, yes, Jurassic It was like the same sort of like, why am I crying over dinosaurs? But it had that sort of like, you know, just sadness in it. Yes, it it did. 
And Hans Zimmer's score totally helped with that feeling of, no, I don't want Bond to die. Um, <laughs> so props to Hans Zimmer for almost making me cry. Because again. of course. Because of course. Um, I will say that Blofeld. Oh, we haven't talked let's about talk, we'll talk. Let's talk about Spectre really fast and how they just kind of cut the legs out from under Spectre. That is a huge villain for Bond. It's yeah. kind of, to me, Spectre is like Green Goblin, Venom. Like, you know, it's like a main yeah. villain that really should be present in multiple iterations of this character, right? Which it has. Yes, it has. In this movie, they basically off Spectre as a major villain for Bond. Spectre, the organization. Yeah, the organization is kaput. They use the nanobot bioweapon to kill off all of the Spectre people who are at the Cuban party. And they do it to Christoph Waltz. Exactly. I felt very disappointed when they did that. Oh, okay. Personally. Yeah. I see because it is such a huge looming organization that has been around since the 60s. <laughs> since the very first movie, right? Yeah. And I love Christoph Waltz as well. I almost want him to just stay in jail versus they kill him off. Right. I see what you're saying. Um, so that was disappointing to me. So this goes back to the way I think that they're just going to like restart everything mm. because you can't leave something like Spectre off the board when mm. you're talking about Bond. Mm. You know, Spectre has to be involved in his story at in some, some point. Way. Yeah, exactly. So, so my guess would be that they are treating Daniel Craig's Bond as a singular story. And the reason why I say that is because it's a through line with his bond. Like Vesper Lind is a huge through line throughout multiple movies. It's Mm -hmm. not like her character was one and done. Like Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it keeps, she keeps being brought up as a memory for him, as a loss for him throughout the movies. Uh, We have an M as well. M and M. Yes. M and M. M and M. (laughs) <laughs> and M as well also brought up and the fact that we have a continuation of the characters from Spectre into this movie mm-hmm. it's like a proper sequel mm-hmm. you know we're actually diving into the characters more from the previous movie and that's not something that we really got a lot of with any of the other bonds. Most mm-hmm. of the bonds were just like, hey, this was the adventure of the week type of thing. Right, exactly. The fact that Leia Sado is a repeat Bond girl is a huge deal. Huge deal. You know, just like you mentioned Vesper. Um, I guess we should bring up on Her Majesty's Secret Service, Tracy, which Bond gets married in that movie. Yeah. <laughs> that's a huge through line. That is so barely mentioned, but is mentioned that Bond was married before. Yes, they mentioned That's it. That's referencing that movie. So, again, it's very rare. And, I mean, we can talk about Leia Sado some more. So, Leia Sado feels... 
Do you feel okay? So the main competition, and she knows it, is Vesper. Yes. Do she you feel it. like she's better than Vesper? <laughs> so I really like Vesper. We haven't talked about this yet, and you'll you'll hear us talk about it on our next episode, which is the Craig Bond episode. I think Vesper is fantastic. I love Vesper. Yes. As well. Yes. And I don't want to go into too much detail, no. but in comparison to Vesper, I feel like Leia Sado doesn't have much going for her. No. So, Leia Sado is a great actress. I don't want to take that away from her, but I do want to say that for this role, her portrayal of Madeline Swan, funny enough, uh, Swan, last Bond girl Swan song. You can uh-huh. do whatever you want with that. Yes. Um, she is slightly one note. Yes. So it's a lot of, you know, damsel in distress, uh, not really making her own choices or decisions type of she thing. She does have this nice origin story at the beginning of this movie. She does, which is good to see. Which is good to see. I love that origin story when she comes up from underneath the bed and like puts four into Rami Malek's chest. I'm like, for sure. I'm all I'm all in. Right. Yeah. But at some point, it feels like Leia Sado's Madeline is separate from this teenage Madeline or preteen Madeline. They don't feel like the same character. They don't feel like the same character. And I don't know if that's like intentional, like she's maybe grown beyond this. She is a psychotherapist. Um, You know, she has these secrets. That's like a huge theme in the front half of this movie or maybe the whole movie is that Leia Sado has all of these secrets from Bond. And Bond's main secret is that he harbors these feelings still toward Vesper, that he has got this loss locked away deep inside and he cannot be vulnerable with someone else and give his heart fully unless he lets go of of Vesper, which is fine. He deals with that right at the beginning of this movie. Yeah, he does. But Leia Sado feels like she gets off kind of scot-free a little bit from her reckoning, so to speak. Not gets off scot-free. That's the wrong word to say. But like Leia Sado doesn't have this like, this is my secret. Moment. Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. You know? She doesn't have a reveal. No. She doesn't... Because they talk about so much that she has her own secrets and they mm-hmm. keep bringing that up. Right. Trying Is to hammer Is the secret home. like her... The beginning sequence where she I think shoots secret, Rami Malek and then... I think the secret really... The way the movie plays is, is out it is... just the child? It's the like, child. It really okay. is. Because nobody knew she had a child. It was like this... Secret from every character, but he was talking about secrets before there was a child. So that's why I'm like, "Mm, like, so what other secrets are there? You know, like, what is she hiding besides the child, which she hides later? You know, what would have been an interesting motivation of a secret, if you will, is when Stefan saves her character at the beginning of the movie, that those two had formed some type of bond. Yes. And that which it carried on. Me, ooh, that reminds me of, oh, which Brosnan movie is it? 
Oh, is it? Um, crap. Um, hold on. It's hold the on. one with the Braveheart girl. Oh, uh, uh, the world is not <laughs> enough. The world is not enough. It reminded me a little bit of the world is not enough, where they have a backstory with the Bond girl and the villain. Yes. Together. Yes. Right. In the world is not enough, they develop a romantic relationship. Exactly. And that's the secret that lets out, and she's also basically a villain. More of a villain than even the, the villain is, the male villain. Exactly. In this case, that's not the case, and there is no like continued history with Spectre and Safin. Right. But you want there to be, because there's like no reason for all these secrets then. And there's no reason for Sefin to kill off Spectre. Like, what is the reasoning there? I, yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure why he would kill off Spectre versus maybe trying to infiltrate it and become the head of Spectre and gain all those resources and people. Right. Instead, he well, I, kills okay, off actually, the competition. Like, I know He why. wants his own empire. What's the reason? Do you uh, remember? Yeah. Madeline Swan's father is a member of Spectre and killed his family. So but he wants to destroy. He, the dad already died. Yeah, the dad already died. So, so the personal like thing the, the is personal really vendetta. with Madeline, and he saved Madeline, so that's cut off at the knees as well. So I think he just wanted to continue the execution of the organization that led to his family's death. Is the only other reason I could come up with. That's the only other reason that I can think of. That would be the reason why he goes after Spectre as an organization. Because it was his, it was that organization that led to his family's death. That's that's all I got there. All right. Uh, okay. So <laughs> we really didn't like how this movie kind of didn't answer many questions. Yeah, it presented questions that it had no interest in actually answering. Right. It, it there. So that's why I say like some of the MacGuffin stuff, where like why he wants to kill the world or why he wants to do the certain things that he does what are the secrets that madeline's hiding right you know all that stuff why do that or even at a more macro level you know introducing characters like nomi and uh, paloma Mm -hmm. do you have any intention of doing Mm -hmm. anything with them except Mm for oh here's an exciting scene and that's it You know, like, especially with the Craig movies, the Craig movies, for the most part, have felt pretty intentional about when they present something to us. Mm -hmm. Like, there's a reason behind them. It's not just like, oh, this is cool. That's it. No, there's usually more to it for the most part. So so that's why I think that this movie good. But like, it won't be making my top five. When, right. when we discuss top five Bond movies, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I still think that people will enjoy it. It's, you know, it's action-packed for the most part. And, you know, there's some stuff, like, if you're interested in more of the uh, somewhat dramatic tension that Bond has had with, you know, Craig playing the role, you'll get some of that in this movie. You'll get Craig being able to act a little bit more just, Outside of action sequences, he gets to do a little bit more. Speaking of action sequences, oh my God, we haven't talked about the one or in the staircase. Okay, yep. Yeah, (laughs) that is one incredible piece. Yeah. 
I really enjoy for for those who don't know, there's an entire extended scene where at the you know poison farm place, he's <laughs> going island. up the staircase trying to get to the control room, and he's just like offing off henchmen left and right, shooting yeah. them. There's a bomb that goes off, but it's all in one continuous shot. And I thought it was great. It was really done good, very well. Yeah. I enjoy a good oneer. Like when they're good and well done, sign me up for a good mm-hmm. oneer. And this one was one of them. This one was one of them. Uh, and yeah, I, I I think that this movie does a lot of things well. It does. That oneer is one yes. included. Yeah. And you know, it it, it is going to suck not having Craig around anymore. Because I yeah. think Craig is a very good Bond. Yes. He is a different Bond. Yes. You know, from his predecessors. And it's going to be tough seeing somebody else take that mantle. Mm-hmm. But again, we we have to go through it. You know? I personally would like to see a little more gadgets and a little more humor. Ah, uh, yes. Back because in Bond. These, these Bond movies are very serious. Very serious. They definitely take themselves a little seriously, for sure. Yeah. So yeah, I don't mind a little bit of camp thrown in there, just a little, like not I don't know like, about over camp. the top. No, but like <laughs> when you say camp, of, I get scared. I think no, Brosnan. I think you know. Okay, so that's what more. I was going to bring up. <laughs> no, no, I, I don't want to go that far, but like a sequence like Bond in the tank in Goldeneye, right? Okay. Like something along yeah, those lines it's where it's just a little, outrageous. It's outrageous, you know? but it's still fun. It still like gets you like excited to watch, you mm-hmm. know, bomb movies. And yeah, some more humor would also be good as well. Yeah. But not like very I don't want cheesy humor like the way a lot of Brosnan and Moore movies were. Oh yeah. Where they're like slapstick in some way sometimes. Uh I don't want that. But Definitely humor. Uh, so is there anything else we want to say about No Time to Die? No. <laughs> there's there's no more time. No, there's no more else? time. No. <laughs> okay, so I think we gave you our thoughts. Oh, oh, oh on... one more thing. Oh, oh sorry. I am so sorry. So I said before spoilers that um, Nomi had a chance to kind of show her skills. Yes. Yes, you did. I thought she was going to save Bond when they were on the run in that Scandinavian country or whatever, that safe house in the Scandinavian country. I know exactly where you're talking about. Bond had to go it alone, like in the woods and kind yes. of Rambo it. But <laughs> I thought because Lashana Lynch's character was on uh, Billy Magnuson's character. Yeah, Logan on his Ash. Ta- Logan Ash's tail. They were like, she's tailing him. She's like on him. I thought that she would be there, you know. Yeah, but she wasn't. She wasn't. She, she wasn't showed there. up extra After, late. Yeah, much later. Yeah, like Bond was hoofing it on the highway, and she's like, "Hey, what's up?" Like, what? <laughs> you are so late. Thank you. Why did they for give you a sports car? So long. You yeah, didn't even get there. Yeah. <laughs> Terrible. I, so I, will, yeah. I thought I thought that was going to be her moment to kind of save Bond, but no. I I do wish that they would have used more moments to show that Bond was a little bit behind. Mm. He had retired, you know, he's been gone for 5 years. Yeah. 
but he's the way the movie portrays it, he's still at the top of his game. Yes, still an athlete. Right. And I would have loved to see like Numi kind of get the better of him mm-hmm. sometimes, you know? Yeah. Uh, show that she is more of a field agent and is yeah. more capable now than Bond yeah. is at this very time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, but again, mm-hmm. I get it. Um, you know, this is the last one with Craig. So you want to show Bond go out on top with type of thing. Yeah. No so, pun intended. Right. I, <laughs> good Lord. I think that we're done. A good we're place done to stop. Uh, what'd you give the movie as a score? I forgot to ask you. I gave earlier. it three and a half. Out of so five. did I three and a half. Yeah. Because I, I still enjoyed myself quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Either way. So uh, if you enjoyed this episode, if you this is your first time listening, thank you for joining us on this episode of No Time to Die. If you want to let us know your thoughts on the movie, go ahead and write to us on social media. We're at Always Critic Pod on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. That's once again at Always Critic Pod. If this is your first time listening, go ahead and subscribe to our podcast feed. We are on all the podcasts podcast platforms uh that is google Podcasts, spotify apple Podcasts, many more don't forget to rate and review five stars on apple Podcasts; goes a long way for us and finally if you are so inclined to support us even more check out our patreon page patreon.com slash always critic pod you can go ahead and support the show there we have different tiers for you to show your support so if you do support us, we'll thank you right here on the show. You'll get uh, live credits from us pretty much. Yep. So with that said, that has been our show. I'm Rico. And I'm Jessica. And this has been the Always the Critic podcast. That I've fallen for a line. You Just no time to die